It's the Experience Franklin County, Indiana podcast, a podcast celebrating the people, places, and things that make Franklin County such a magical place. Let's kick the week off with some Franklin County fun facts. And it's time for our fun fact of the week on this week's edition of the Experience Franklin County, Indiana podcast. This week's fun facts are all about the Whitewater River that flows right through Franklin County. The Whitewater River is a 101-mile-long southerly flowing tributary of the Great Miami River in southeastern Indiana and southwestern Ohio. It is formed by the confluence of two forks, the West Fork and the East Fork. Well, the name the Whitewater River is a little bit of a misnomer as there are no true whitewater on the river. However, there are several rapids present due to the steep gradient present. The river falls an average of 6 feet per mile. The gradient rendered upstream navigation impossible, and in the mid-19th century, that resulted in the construction of the Whitewater Canal paralleling the river from north of Connersville, Indiana, to the Ohio River. The West Fork is known as the main stem of the Whitewater River, and it starts in Randolph County, Indiana, about a mile northeast of the little town of Modoc. It flows 69 and a half miles south and southeast, past Hagerstown and Connorsville and Metamora, and joins the East Fork of the river at Brookville. The 56-mile-long East Fork starts in Dark County, Ohio, about 10 miles northwest of New Paris, Ohio. It runs generally south through Richmond, Indiana, and joins the West Fork of the river at Brookville. From that junction, the Whitewater River flows southeasterly into Ohio, where it eventually joins the Great Miami River, a tributary of the Ohio River. Cities and towns on the Whitewater River north to south include Hagerstown, Cambridge City, Connersville, Laurel, Metamora, Brookville, Harrison, Ohio, and Lawrenceburg. And there you go, some quick fun facts today about the Whitewater River. Well, we're always excited when groups pick Franklin County as a destination for their outing, for their event, for their corporate event, for their picnic, whatever it might be. This week, as a matter of fact, the Indiana geocachers have chosen Franklin County as the site of the 2022 Indiana geocachers picnic. And I've got Matt and Alicia Anderson here with me. Matt, how are you this evening? I'm good. How are you doing? I am good, Alicia. Good to see you again. You too, Rick. So, uh, Alicia, let me uh, ask you to start off for those that may not know, what in the world is geocaching? Okay, so geocaching is a game that was invented, uh, I guess that's the right word, back in May of 2000, when uh, the global positioning system, or as we know, GPS, was opened up to the public, basically. It was no longer solely for military use. And what happened is some uh, really uh, creative folks out there quickly figured out a way to make a game out of it. And so it's described as a primarily outdoor recreational activity uh, where you use a GPS receiver to hide and seek containers. So, um, I mean, that's probably the most basic way to describe it. Um, There are different types of caches out there, but the most basic is literally just a container that has been hidden by someone else playing the game. And they have posted coordinates and uh, a description, maybe a hint, and to tell you how to find it. And you go find it, 
you open it, you sign a log that's inside and you put it right back and go on to find another one. So it sounds like a real life treasure hunt. It is. Uh, you don't get actual treasure, which just to to make sure that that's clear to some folks, because the newer cashers, there's been some confusion sometimes. But yeah, it is kind of like a scavenger hunt or a, or a or like you said, a treasure hunt. Absolutely. Uh- very good. Well, Alicia, let me ask you again. How, how did you all get started in the hobby? I'm actually going to let Matt answer that because even though I'm, I cash more often, he was the one that got us started. So back in 2003, I was into collecting antique maps as a hobby. And Alicia thought of a unique gift for Christmas and got me a basic GPS receiver. Well, that was really cool. But back in 2003, when you got a GPS receiver, there wasn't much you could do with it. So we did a little bit of research and we found this geocaching thing. And before the end of the year, we went out and found a couple geocaches and pretty quickly got hooked on the hobby. One of the things that's really good about it is it takes you out to places possibly very close to where you live that you might not have realized were there. We found some amazingly pretty parks and places we just never knew existed due to the hobby. It's also really good for kids because A, it gets them outside. And a lot of the caches, if they're in bigger containers, will have little trinket items. And commonly, you would take an item and leave an item. So you might take a little toy out, but you should leave an item for the next person. And kids really like that aspect of it. So it sounds like it's an activity for the entire family. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. That's what got us started. It wasn't just us. We were able to get our young son involved, who at the time was very, very young. But... um, yeah, it was real. It's really good for that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Alicia, let me turn back to you for a moment. What do you think are some of the best things about geocaching? Oh, first and foremost, the friendships we've made. Um, it, we've been, like Matt said, we've been caching since 2003. So we're considered old timers in the hobby and events are, are part of it. Um, and so uh, various geocachers, will host social events uh, and other cachers will see that invitation. And again, this is all through the geocaching website that we'll discuss later, but you will um, go. It might be at a restaurant. It might be in a park. It, you know, it, it can be pretty much anywhere, a library, uh, anywhere you can think of. And I attended these events and, and we went as a family and sometimes I went by myself or, or with our son. And I met people that I'm now have been friends with for 15 plus years. And it's, uh, and those are really strong friendships that we've made based on this fun little hobby that we never knew it would grow to that. Um, To add on to it, in addition to friendships is going, when we go on vacation, it's like a free tour guide for us. Uh, I love that. You, you, they have uh, a system of favorite points that you can assign. Uh, if So if I have a really good experience, whether it's the cache itself is really neat, or if you are, if it takes you to a really cool, unique, interesting uh, location, you can give it a favorite point after you log it on, you know, log your find. And through that, we, you can distill down when you go visit somewhere, you can search by the highest favorited caches in what area, whatever area you're visiting. 
And so we've often done that where we will go to a place we've not been before, look at all the favorite caches in town. And we have gone to some really, really cool places that we might not have found otherwise. Is there anything that sticks out in your mind you would like to share with the audience? Any, any particular place that just really, really struck you? I've got one. Yeah. Okay. okay Matt. We are uh, avid Route 66 fans, mm-hmm. and we took a journey on Route 66 for our 10th anniversary. And we had looked at some favorite cache points and caches, favorited caches. And in where the Crater Lake location is, about 10 miles away from Crater Lake, was kind of an abandoned tower. It was something somebody had set up, I think, in the 50s and 60s to try to get tourists to come get an elevated view of Crater Lake from a distance. And it was no longer an active business, but there was a geocache there. You climbed a couple of floors of steps and you just had this incredible view of Crater Lake in the distance. And it was something that I don't think we'd have ever found. We would have never found it without geocaching. And that's, again, one of my favorite aspects of the hobby. Finding those undiscovered places that you never would have known. That is that is awesome. Well, let me turn back to Matt here for just a minute. Um, so you've chosen Franklin County as the site of the 2022 Indiana Spring Picnic. First of all, tell us what the Indiana Spring Picnic is. The Indiana Spring Picnic is a social event, like Alicia mentioned. It's a little bigger than a normal social event at a restaurant or a library. It's a weekend event. The main event is Saturday afternoon. There are other events built in around that. There'll be a Friday night event. There's usually a Sunday morning event, kind of a goodbye event. These are usually like bagels and coffee or something like that. These are all separate events. The Indiana Geocaching Spring Picnic is one of the oldest continuous running events in Indiana. And we've been fortunate enough to be the host for 10 or 11 years, depending on COVID. And we chose... Um, Franklin County because it's always held at a state park and we've hosted this at Brookville Lake before and it's a great location and a great park and we decided to do it again. Uh, Funny story this event's always on this weekend of the year. We hosted a few years ago at Brookville and it was literally freezing in the morning of the event. The group photo has people wearing blankets and stuff. It was kind of humorous because that's pretty rare to be freezing this late. And it, it started snowing as we were leaving. As we were leaving the event, it was snowing. Yeah, yeah that's Indiana. why we chose Franklin County. Brookville Lake's a great park. You don't have to be a geo, I mean, you don't have to be a registered geocacher. You can register with their site, but that's not really a requirement. You can get coordinates and just go find them. We'd love to see anybody come out there that wants to experience it. We usually do a pitch-in lunch. We have a couple of games in the morning. Uh, We have a meet-and-greet bingo. It's all about fellowship and people getting together. A lot of these people we see once a year at this event. A lot of these people we see often. So that's really what the Spring Picnic's kind of about. Awesome. Very good. You mentioned it's one of the oldest geocaching events in Indiana. I think it's probably one of the largest in Indiana also. Is that correct? You know, it has been. (laughs) But uh, honestly... In the past few years, there there have been other large events that have come up. There is Summerstock, which is up in the north end of the state. And then there's another spring event down in the Evansville area. And all of those are gaining momentum. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that we're currently the largest, I, but I don't know what would be. Uh, we right. are one of the larger ones, uh, probably average around... Anywhere, depending on the weather, honestly, anywhere from 50 to 100 people. 
So it, re it really kind of depends on the weather. And then, of course, we had to skip one year because of COVID. Uh, we skipped 2020. And then when we came back in 2021, we had some restrictions in place. And so that kept attendance down also. Uh, and But then this year, we are back in full force. You're also awesome. right, Rick. Back in the day before COVID and there wasn't so many events going on, we've seen 200 at this event. Mm -hmm. And we like having a large turnout, but that's not really our goal. Our goal is just to get people together. Awesome. And even though it's the Indiana spring picnic, y'all draw from the neighboring states also, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And this one being practically on the border of Ohio, we do expect some geo buddies to come over from Ohio. And Kentucky's not far either. Uh, we have a couple of, of regular bees. Um, that come down every year from Michigan, regardless of where it is. So yeah, and we've had, we've even had overseas visitors. Uh, not too long ago, we had a couple that were, were they happened to be in Indiana from uh, the Netherlands and they just coordinated their trip. So they had the chance to stop by during our event and it was really fun to talk to. Them. Awesome. So I'm so glad you guys chose Franklin County again. This is your second visit to Franklin County for the Indiana Spring Picnic, the Overlook uh, area of the lake. Um, just a beautiful view. It's an amazing view and the weather could not look better for this weekend. I'm very excited about that. And even if you've never found a cache, you're welcome to attend, right? Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. We love to meet new people or people that are interested in it, uh, in the hobby, even if they've never found one before. Uh, there's This could, could not be a nicer group of people, honestly. Uh, always willing to help out, you know, show some tips and tricks. And yeah, I mean, it's just in share experiences. That's kind of what these events are, are known for. I mean, that's what you, newbies are great. We love them. That's awesome. I want to talk about just a couple of quick things, and I hope I don't catch you by too much surprise. There are different types of caches. You mentioned the event cache, the traditional cache that has a container. Geocachers, by and large, are very environmentally conscious people, right? Correct. Uh, or at least they should be. Uh, yes. Because, <laughs> because the world is our playground, and so we should leave it better than we found it. Uh, there is a type of event called uh, CITO or CITO, depending on who you talk to. It's the, it's the uh, acronym C-I-T-O, which stands for Cash In, Trash Out. And it's a different type of event. It's also social, but the, the purpose of a CITO event is to usually partner with, maybe it's a park or it's, you know, a the city in some way and to clean up the area. And so there's, it, it's very common to see those types of type of events out there also. Maybe, you know, they'll, they'll walk a trail picking up trash or there is a, there's an annual event that's been going on for several years up in the Indiana Dunes area where they partner with the uh, National Lakeshore, which is now a, a national park actually. Uh, and they will, do anything they need, basically. They will go up there and they will paint buildings or they will replace posts at campsites. Uh, that is, that's an annual event that's been going on forever. And you actually would get, you get free camping in the area if you participate in that event. And so, yeah, CETO events are, are really good. And, and I like to think that the majority of geocachers are very uh, responsible environmentally. 
You mentioned a couple of other type caches. So Aceto is a really good one, and that's another event cache, which is one type of cache. Then you have what's called a traditional, which is your Tupperware in the woods or your ammo can in the woods that has your trade items. There's another style called multi-cache where you find the first cache and it gives you information on how to find the next cache. And there may be a series you're trying to find. Um, another type people like a lot is what's known as a puzzle cache. On the cache description page at geocaching.com, you have to figure out a puzzle to reveal the coordinates to the cache location. And some of those can be really hard. Yeah, some of those can be very, very hard. Some are easy, but some are very hard. And then earth caches are really good because that takes you to an environmental location. There's usually no physical item to find but you're taken to an interesting environmental feature. Mm -hmm. And the cache page will be really detailed on what that feature is, explaining to you why it's special. It could be something, for example, like a waterfall or a river confluence or something or, or an erratic. I did not know what an erratic was until I did some earth caching. And that is a, a stone that was moved by the glaciers and dropped somewhere different than where it began. And so earth caches are pretty special because they're educational. It's fun and ed it's edutainment. <laughs> As we call it, yeah, there it is. Is. absolutely. <laughs> well, just a couple of uh, closing questions. First of all, thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule to visit with me this evening. Um, Alicia, I'll ask you first the Indiana Spring Picnic, specifically, if somebody maybe is not familiar with a geocaching website, is there someplace on social media, maybe on Facebook, people could find out information and maybe drop in if they wanted to? Oh, sure. We have a, a Facebook page that's called Indiana Geocaching Spring Picnic. And that's our main page. And then within that page, you'll, you'll find a list. Of, there's a tab for events. And the spring picnic that's happening this Saturday, the 14th, is actually listed on uh, as an event there. And you can see the details there. Or you can go to the website, which is geocaching.com. You can create a free account. Uh, it is. It doesn't have to be paid, although the annual fee is a very reasonable thirty dollars to get extra benefits. Uh, the if you go into the website uh, again, that's geocaching.com. You can find the event by a code, and I'll go ahead and give you that. Uh, just and you, there'll be a search bar, and you can plug it in, and that code is. G C nine J one W F and it's the 2022 Indiana spring picnic. And there's even more detail available there. But even if you find us on Facebook, you're more than welcome to ask questions. My husband and I are on Facebook off and on all day long. So your answers, your questions will be answered very quickly. Very good. And one question that I have neglected to ask, is there a cost to attend? No, not at all. Matter of fact, this particular event is being held at the Overlook Shelter at Brookville Lake, which is on the south end of the lake near the dam. It is actually a USACE, which is Army Corps of Engineers property. It is not on DNR property, so there's not a fee to enter the area where this particular shelter is. Uh, you just come on back, and there's a large parking lot. The event starts at 10 a.m., and we will run until 1 in the afternoon. 
So it's right through lunch. Um, and as Matt mentioned earlier, we do a pitch in lunch. There is no requirement to bring food to attend. We just ask that the people that bring food get to eat first <laughs> and then, and then everybody else can have at it. But yeah, uh, there is no, no cost at all. Awesome. Very good. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me this evening. And for the folks listening, I'll put the uh, code, the, the code for the event and the, a link to the geocaching.com website down below. Matt and Alicia Anderson from Indianapolis, hosts of the 2022 Indiana Spring Picnic right here in Franklin County, Indiana. <laughs> thank you again so much for choosing Franklin County for this amazing event. Thanks for spending time with me. We'll see you soon, okay? Have great. a great day. Thanks, Rick. And it's time for our weekend events here in Franklin County. Thursday the 12th through Saturday the 14th is a Batesville Kiwanis Carnival that's being held at the Batesville Village Green. Thursday the 12th, Euchre Night at 3rd Place in Brookville, 7 p.m. Friday night, there's live music at 3rd Place. It's the Sunburners returning from 7 to 10 p.m. Saturday, it's a full day of events in Franklin County. There's a poker run at Haspen Acres. It's a kickoff of the Columbia Street Music District in Metamora. That's 4.30 to 10 p.m. And the tragic story of Pearl Bryan at the Opera Barn in Metamora, Indiana, 6 p.m. Sunday the 15th, there's a poor painting class. That's P-O-U-R, poor painting class at the Metamora's Creative Arts and Education Center. And all weekend, it is Go Green Metamora, sponsored by Metamora's Creative Arts and Education Center. For more information on these or any of the other great events going on, including last-minute events, check out our website, franklincountyin.com events, and we'll keep you updated.